We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Yes, we're up and running. We're here. <laughs> Salty put us on the clock, and we're here. Hey, we I, I'm taking this one on the chin. This is my. I'm literally sitting at the computer taking notes about the show. All of a sudden, I look up at six oh three. Oh crap! I got to get in the show. I'm supposed to be on the show. I'm supposed to be doing something right now. <laughs> that's right. That's on me. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. How was your day? Good otherwise. Uh, it wasn't bad. Yeah, not too bad. You know, just uh, worked a little bit of a honeydew list around the house today. And uh, so, yeah, not too shabby. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, a little day off, you know. It's not bad. Oh, that's right. I forgot. So you were off. You were out of school today. I was because I had to chaperone my first high school dance last night. So I needed all the sleep I could get. A dance on Sunday night. I don't. Be- because they're off today. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Okay. I get yeah. that, I guess. Yeah. Still odd. Like, you can't play. <laughs> like, the IHSAA won't let you play sports on Sunday, but you can have a school dance on Sunday. Oh, you can do pretty much anything besides IHSAA stuff, which is very <laughs> interesting. Very weird. Very yes. weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us here today. Hit the like button if you would. Subscribe, rate, and review. We're going to be talking, not just drafting, we're going to be talking all about the Irish assistant coaching staff today we're uh we're, we're doing a draft we we yeah. came up with this we're gonna draft teams there's 10 assistants on the tab you know 10 official full-time assistants on the staff not counting matt bayless the uh football performance coach not counting james laurenitis who is technically considered a graduate assistant so they won't be part of this the 10 full-time assistants right we're gonna draft two teams of five and when we're all done, we're going to let uh, our listeners decide who drafted the better fantasy Irish assistant coach team, I guess, tonight. I, this is going to be very interesting because are we – this is going to decide how I do things. Are we drafting for, like, I need these coaches on my team? Like, this is going to be my coaching staff, these five guys? Mm. Or is it just, like, the best coaches that are – you know, just the, they did the best job today. Yeah. You know, think, you know what I'm saying? I think we're kind of doing it more like, especially since this was Marcus Freeman's first season. Okay. We're doing this more like how'd they do this year, I guess. Okay. It doesn't okay. have to strictly be along those lines. Okay. You know, 
we're, we're right. fairly yeah but it's not like uh well it's not like a dynasty draft you know like the dynasty leagues and stuff like that like who's who's projecting better for the next five okay. years or or whatever it's it's more about right now you know maybe you know your stock in those coaches again it's kind of it's yeah, it's a little bit loose. I saw I somebody, you. you know, proposing trades already. So I mean, we'd be trading know. with each other, and I don't know how that well that's going to go, but we'll see what that's happens. That's right. That's right. Here is the official coin Ooh, okay. of the draft. Woo-hoo! From 1990, it traveled all the way from that point to now. <laughs> that's uh, a little paraphrasing of uh, No Country for Old Men. Remember when he flips the coin? the old man and the oh yeah the okay i haven't seen that movie in a long time yeah i know it's been a while that's that's one of those if it's on though i can sit there and it's and i'll flip over and okay where are they in the movie right. yeah <laughs> llewellyn's still on the bus or, you know right <laughs> so all right so we're gonna draft assistant coaches i'm gonna flip the coin okay you call it oh okay and then you can uh you you can either go first or defer okay okay all right, so here we go. Boom. Heads, heads, heads. You're calling heads? It is a head. Yes! Head. So yes. Vince will get the first pick in the first ever Notre Dame football fighting Irish assistant coaches draft. Before we start, okay. I want to I want to throw something out there because I'm going to kind of reference some uh, you know, as we go through this and kind of talk about you know, who we drafted and all that kind of stuff, who we did or didn't draft. There are five key statistics that are typically most predictive of a team, uh, of teams that reach the national championship game. Okay. 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 Pass efficiency offense, rush offense, rush defense, total defense, and turnover margin. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the coordinator specific coordinators okay. specifically, I'll probably reference some of those stats and kind of how they fared this year, you know, as as it kind of pertains to those specific markers. You're okay? you're always the stat guy. I love it. <laughs> I'm just going from like gut feeling, what I see on the field. That's, you're gonna you're gonna hit me hard with stats. See, but I'm like the middle of the road stat guy because all these analytics people oh, like yeah. reference all these other hardcore stuff, and it's like poof, it hits you in the yeah, head. I know, and right? It's like, Seriously, man, come on. All right, Derek said we should have played rock paper scissors and and by the way i've got a a comment from uh tommy guns that we're going to use a little bit later in uh in rapid fire tonight i saw he posted it on the i actually voted on his poll on the board today oh nice! i'll I'll be curious to see how you answer i know how i answered so and before we get started i want everybody to tell me who i should pick number one (laughs) throw it in there let me know who i know who i'm going to pick but I'm curious to see who everybody else would pick. I'm curious to see who you go with. There, there are a couple of different routes. There are. I'm really curious to see who you go with here. Yeah, and I, I we probably can't uh, can't wait too long, just because I think there's a little bit of a delay with the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of that going on. Tommy Gunn says I should take Harry Heastand first. Tommy says Harry. Okay, yeah. I get that. I get He'd that. Be, he would be. Uh, on my short list, uh, you know, the list is pretty short to begin with. Well, ends, but he would be, he's among the guys that's like, I, you know, not like not knowing which direction you're going to go. I'm also trying to figure out, you know, like I've been kind of thinking about one. that. Like if Vince gets the yeah. first pick, what do I do second? I know. All that kind of stuff. 
I'm going to say he also wouldn't be mad going with Mickens. That's fair. I I've got my one through 10. So I, I feel well, like you I'm get gonna, them ranked. You get I'm going to stay pretty close to my board. I like I it. I think depending on how you do, you know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. All right. Okay. We got, a, we got another Harry vote coming in. Man, they're coming Casey. in hard. I know. With the All first right, so pick. who are you going with? The number one pick okay. off the board in the assistant Notre Dame football assistant coach draft. With the first pick in the 2023 Notre Dame assistant coach draft, Vince D'Addario selects. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Brian Mason, special teams coordinator at the University of Notre Dame. I think you did that because when we were formulating the idea for today's show, you put an idea in my head. The guy that I mentioned was Brian Mason, and so I gave away like I spoiled. You did. You, did. you put it right in my head. You, you knew who I coveted right away. You put it right in my head, and I can't see. Here's the thing: he is directly responsible for a third of the game. And yeah. we've seen very clearly how effective he can be and how he affects games. You know what I mean? And so yes. it, it is, it's an easy pick for me because I think he almost has the most direct impact on a game single-handedly. Did you see the epic Twitter thread, tweet thread 
that Brian Mason tweeted over the weekend all about not. special teams, his no, own special teams? He's Let me himself, read huh? you. Okay. I can still talk about it, even though I didn't get to draft him. <laughs> absolutely. Because right. so, no, we're going to draft, then we're going to talk about each guy. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. But you're absolutely right. Like, he started off chaos kills, and that was a hashtag, by the way. Aggressive, tough, and disciplined mentality on special teams to win the battle of field position and generate explosive plays. Exclamation point. I mean, yeah, it's for starters. So then he says, average, 2022 average field position. Offensive starting field position, number one in the nation. They average starting out at the 33.4-yard like line. Defensive field position, number five in the nation. Net starting position, number two in the nation. First time Notre Dame has been ranked in the top 10 in offensive field position, the best previous number 13 in 2014. So they never returned punts. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, that makes a huge difference. Got to play into it when you're actually out there making returns instead of just patent fair catching all the time. You've got at least a little bit better chance. I mean, individually, uh, Brandon Joseph, I think, finished 12th, at least the last time I looked at the rankings. And I can't remember if that was before the bowl game or after. But either way, you know, I think he ranked 12th as a punt returner. Right. That makes a difference, guys. And I know, you know, he never had the big, you know, Tom Zibikowski return or like, you know, that kind of stuff. But he gave you yards. It adds up. He gave you better field position. And that's where that stat comes from. Yeah, exactly. And he said they won – 11 of the 13 games they won field position. That's 85%. Yeah. That's up from winning just 55% over the last previous five seasons. So, in other words, they won 85% of the games this season when they won field position. Over the last five seasons, they only won 55% of the games when they won field position. Uh, They won field position by 10-plus yards six times in 13 games. Notre Dame did that just twice the previous 64 games. Think about that. <laughs> you know, uh, they ranked number 24 in net punt, number three in opponent net punt. Uh, it's the second time in over a decade they've been in the top 25 in net punt. So all these different, you know, again, like when you talk about the metrics that he's got on this, six different players blocked combined to block seven punts this season. Previous 10 seasons, this is the big one, I think, to most people. Previous 10 seasons, Notre Dame blocked a total of six punts. You know, again, like we heard again and again, oh, nobody blocks punts anymore. You know, all these, you know, formations and all this different stuff. It's like, no, it's not that nobody blocks punts. It's just that you don't know how to figure out where the weakness is and how to attack it. And you're too afraid to attack it because you're afraid you're going to get a roughing the kicker penalty rather than, again, chaos, being aggressive going after it, taking yeah. a little bit of chances. And that's that. That's what's also impressive is not only did they block these punts, but they didn't have any roughing calls in right. the meantime. You know, guys just being over-aggressive, going out there and, and running into kickers and stuff like that. I mean, I got to give a lot of credit to whoever his secretary is or analyst gatherer to come up with all these stats and everything. That's, that's impressive stuff to come up with, man. I, But knowing him, it was probably him. He probably did it himself. You know, he probably compiled all that himself. But uh, I'm sure it's like, well, you're the special teams coordinator. You know, yeah. other than recruiting, what have you been doing for the last That's couple fair. of weeks? It's like he's sitting in his, in his, in his, you know, he's like the mad scientist sitting in his office. He's he's cooking up and figuring, you know, out all these different stats and 
I mean, stuff like that. I'm sure he got a raise coming from Cincinnati to Notre Dame. Sure of it. I mean, why else would you uproot your family when you had a pretty good thing going on? Right. But he deserves a raise from his raise. Like that, his contract just needs to be ripped up and just start over again because the – I mean, you just read all the stats, but the increase in production from special teams from last year to this year, the last 10 years to this year, is astronomical. It's mm-hmm. off It's off the charts. Completely. No, I mean, it, he of all the coaches, he deserves the biggest percentage raise, no doubt about it in my mind. Yeah, and it's it's been a you know, it was a game changer. And when you had so many, especially the way this again, like when you, when you look at the way the season started, yeah, and the way it turned out, so many little things that can affect a game, things that that quite honestly and quite obviously get taken for granted and yeah. they were able to excel at it. And not only that, but they got buy-in from starters, you know, starters wanting to be on special teams and starters impacting games yeah. on special teams. You know, look at Isaiah Foskey with his punt, the block punts. So. Right. No doubt. Okay. So Brian Mason is off the board. Gone. And there are a couple of different directions I can yeah. go here. I've got to make a pick now. You kind of back me into a corner. A little <laughs> bit. But I just, I, I've got to go with my man, Harry Heastan. Oh, there it is. I mean, there's another, there. there's a backup plan, but I'm not going to, you know, I can't give that away because I don't want you snaking another pick from me here. But so you got, <laughs> you got Brian Mason. I've got a Harry Heaston, and like when you look at, at what Harry did, you know, last year they uh, they ran for four point one for per carry, and that that got a little bit better as the season went on. That offensive line uh, under Quinn gave up thirty five sacks, and that's four point one per carry and one hundred and forty three per game with Kyron Williams. Yeah, and after the year that Kyron Williams had the year before that, they go from that to one hundred and eighty nine rushing yards a game. 4.6 per carry. So they get, they go up by an average of a half a yard per carry, which is pretty considerable when you think about it. And they give up just 21 sacks. So 14 fewer sacks uh, they gave up this year as well. So got to go with Harry. And again, the, the, the line improved over the course of the season. And I just have to imagine that with Harry here now and, and with him also recruiting the kind of guys that he's looking for for that offensive line, I think we're going to, you know, just see considerable changes as, or, you know, improvements slash changes over the next few years with Harry Heastand back. I mean, it's hard to argue Harry Heastand, obviously. Uh, if Brian Mason didn't come in and do what he did, he'd be one of my top picks. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Wow, that's harsh. I mean, <laughs> look, Brian Mason's not a big guy. I get that. But uh I mean he's wiry and he's quick, you know. And he's still... not 60. So <laughs> saying. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do know of one uh 30 something that got yelled at by Harry He stand while he was filming him at practice, and uh he still talks <laughs> about that to this day. Does so he? oh yeah. It's funny because I heard about it without actually hearing it happen. You know, I <laughs> I heard about it happening and I gave him a little bit of a hard time. Oh, so. it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great. He sent me the clip the other day. So he's like, yeah. oh, he's just, just yelling at me. Oh, it's great. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with Harry Heastan. He's a proven commodity. You know what you're going to get from him. I love watching him coach. 
they're, you know you're going to have accountability on the offensive line. You know they're going to be fundamentally sound. And you know they're going to get better as the year goes on. I mean, it's a no-lose situation going with Harry Heastan. Are you kidding yeah. me? I mean, it's just the only reason I went with, with Brian Mason over Harry Heastan is because he affects a little bit more of the game. Right. You know, that kind of a thing. And, well, I mean, the offensive line. Look, you don't have down, to explain but, it. It's who I yeah. would have picked if I had the first pick. <laughs> I mean, so. I, I was more. I guess I'm more explaining it to the chat because okay. a lot of them wanted to go Harry first, and I get it. You can't really go wrong in either direction. Yeah, so, I agree. That, that and that's if you had had the second pick and I had had Mason off the board, would you have gone with Harry or was there someone else you were considering? There was actually the way I ranked them. If I went true to my board, I actually have somebody ranked higher than Harry Ooh. for this year. Yeah, I do. Very interesting. Yeah, so okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay true to my board for my second pick. Okay. Are we ready for it? Yeah, so we got Vince has Brian Mason. I've got a Harry Heastan. Vince's pick again. Yep. Who do you have now? I am going to the defensive side of the ball, and for my second pick, I am going to go with Mike Mickens. All right. That's. I had a feeling it might be that, but I was worried – my guy's still on the board, so I'm happy about that. But I would have well, got, you know, Mike Mickens is a good pick as well. You can't go wrong with Mike Mickens because he took a, number one, his recruiting has been outstanding. I mean, he has identified guys that are really good. I mean, and he's done a very good job of that. Number two, the secondary, specifically corner, because everybody was all excited about you know, Brandon Joseph coming in and kind of solidifying the safety position, whether that happened or not is another conversation. But corner was the big liability. Corner was the big question mark coming into the season. We were high on what the front seven was going to do. We felt pretty good about what safety was going to do. Corner, everybody was like, you know, what are we going to yeah. get from corner? And he ends up taking, you know, Benjamin Morrison, obviously his freshman campaign, was unbelievable. Right. I, I think, you know, Cam Hart took a step in the right direction, whether people believe it or not. You know, there's a reason well, that they kept throwing at Benjamin Morrison. He started slowly. And I think that that's kind of, you know, what people remember what, yeah, what people remember. What you don't remember is as the season goes on, exactly what you're talking about. They weren't throwing at him, they were taking their chances at the guy who, kept in, you know, ended up getting the interceptions sure. all the time. And so now you've got both of these guys on film and that's going to be just a great oh. duo to watch next season and then you you throw in Tariq Bracey who was arguably the best uh corner that they had and I mean the, maybe he was so steady I mean just so steady and and just so disruptive from the nickel position that's a spot they're going to miss next year and I'm not and, saying that the Harper kid can't be a good nickel and all of that but man you're, you're you are going to miss Tariq Bracey and what he brought to the table but let's also not forget what an up-and-down career Tariq Bracey had to start sure. his career off. And then since Mike Mickens has been there, finding that nickel spot has been big for him, and it's been big for the team oh, as well. But no doubt, he ended up thriving after Mike Mickens mm -hmm. arrived. Yep. So it's and, you not know, a coincidence. And say what you want to about Clarence Lewis, but you know he had his up-and-downs from a mental mm -hmm. standpoint as well. And I think he's done a good job of working with, you know, Mickens has done a really good job of working with him and getting him back to where he's a very serviceable, uh, you know, member of this secondary. He starts on a lot of teams across the country. You know, he's not going to start over Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison, which is why we talk about the move to safety. 
so you can get his skill set on the field. But he was in a dark place mentally as well. Uh, and sure. Mickens was able to work him out of it. So, you know, what he's been able to do on and off the field with these corners, I think, is fantastic. So <laughs> makes for an easy number two pick from me. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, Salty asks if we can draft uh, Chad Bowden as Tommy Gunn. He's an asks. assistant, but not an assistant coach. He's like, he's right. support staff. So he's not That's on the right. table. Support staff not included. Yeah. So very important for what he does. He is. But support staff not included. Sounded like he had a great weekend out there. That sounds like the weekend went fantastic. Yeah. I want to yeah. know where he comes up with some of the shtick <laughs> that he does. Like this whole get out of the car, we're frisking you. Yeah, with the whole Secret Service bid. And like, I, I mean, I don't know. I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the recruits and like the parents of the recruits and like that kind of thing. Like, it'd be funny to watch my kid get frisked, I guess. I, I don't know. It's just like, where do you come up with that? Like, where, where does that come from? Is that like from his own mind? I don't know. It's just, it's creative. I give him that. Yeah, for creative. sure. For sure. But he's not part of this draft. No, he's um, not. <laughs> so Vince has got Brian Mason, Mike Mickens. I went Harry Heastan with my first pick. I don't think it's probably going to be a surprise where I'm going with my pick. Number two. I'm a little surprised because I'm not sure. I saw Salty make reference to it okay. already. And, you know, I've got the offensive line coach. So if I've got the offensive line uh, coach, yeah, okay. I've got to go with uh, the position coach that yep. those guys are, you know, plowing and paving the way for. I got to go with the running backs coach, Dylan McCullough. And I got to tell you, Nothing against Mike Mickens, because I agree with everything you said about Mike Mickens, but I'm not unhappy to see Dylan McCullough figured. In, in this spot. And and he was in my number four spot, so he would have been the next off the board for me as well. And you can't go wrong with Dylan McCullough based on the the production that his room had. And they will arguably, if we're talking about the recruiting trail as well here, and I think I think that's part of it, right? That's part yeah. of it. So and we, yeah, we haven't even really mentioned that. Like the, you can't include, you know, recruiting is, is part of this whole deal as well. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, his room is going to be the best running back room top to bottom in the country next year. And I, <laughs> good luck arguing that point. I mean, I just, come on. Audric Estime ended up leading the team with 920 yards, 12 total touchdowns, but he also had 135 receiving yards. So he's over a thousand total yards. Logan Diggs, he's over a thousand total yards. He actually had over 200 receiving yards and six total touchdowns. Chris Tyree, you know, that's like, I think we all thought that there could be more production from him, you know, figuring that out. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the confluence of the coach and the guys at the positions sure. and, you know, the, the coordinator, you know, that, that whole mix, you know, kind of what guy, what guys got out there, but, so you get two guys over a thousand total yards who combined for 18 touchdowns out of the backfield, and then five more touchdowns from Chris Tyree, and uh, you know pushing 600 yards from him, which is still pretty good. And you know Jadarian Price was pretty much the guy who we all thought was going to be the guy, yeah. If he had you know hadn't gotten hurt, and look at the way the running back room ended up in year one, and and. I think you mentioned it. You just just the way he continues to recruit as well, because uh, 
you know, you add some of this other young talent, you add love to the mix next year, and you still got Jabron Payne as well. There's, yeah. I think you said it, you know, they're, they're going to be the best running back room in the country. I think it would be hard to beat. And the problem is it's like loading your team up with point guards. It's like, there's only one ball to go around. And that's, that's what worries me because somebody's going to transfer. I mean, uh, of all of these guys, somebody's going to transfer out and wherever they end up, they're going to get themselves one hell of a running back. And so it, you know, Dylan McCullough, it's almost like, uh, the, the wealth is overwhelming because now he's got to deal with the fact that he's got all these dudes in his room. And how does he manage that? How do you manage all of those egos? And I don't mean ego in a negative way. I just mean right. that as in these guys are all really good. Like they can all run the football. They can all be effective. What, what do you do with that? With this embarrassment of riches? I, that's where the 21 personnel comes in, baby. <laughs> little 21, exactly little, right. 30, little 30. Do what you got to do. You got to get I'm these serious. boys on the field. That's right. That's exactly right. 20, 21, 30. I think you're exactly right. You can Let's split go. those guys all over the place. Yeah. Put them out there. Like I said, man, they can catch patches, passes. Just look at what they did. And I, I really still think, you know, uh, so the three guys, 135 for estimate, 211 for dig. So that is 346. And then you add in 138 from Tyree. That is four, four seventy six, like over 480 total yards receiving from those three guys. I think they easily could yeah. have been up around 700 total yards if they really wanted to. But you know, I I think that Michael Mayer. And, you know, who ends up leading the team in receiving again. And we'll touch on, you know, something kind of related to that in rapid fire here in a little bit. I, I you know, I think there's still a lot of, I, I think there's still a lot of untapped potential from this running back room that we can absolutely. see more of next year. And again, absolutely. you know, I, I, I know I, I, you know, I, I, you know, kind of beat the drum and, and beat the dead horse about the 21 personnel and all of that. But the more it shapes up that this is the position group of strength with that many talented guys. And like Dylan McCullough talked when he came in the door, I think it was like eight different jobs for the running backs and right. stuff like that, figuring out who gets the jobs to keep them all involved. I just, I just have to think with a bigger room that, that you're probably going to see multiples out there a lot of different times next season. And, and Notre Dame is going to be able to take advantage of it. So that could be a lot of fun too, just to see a lot of, yeah, that's definitely not a Colts Jersey. This is, this is my throwback <laughs> Staubach. Yeah. Jersey. Come on guys. The Cowboys don't, are playing tonight. Don't give me, don't give me your Harbaugh stuff. I know it doesn't look like their, their current Jersey. This is, this is the blue that I prefer. Yes. Actually, not not the the navy blue. This is the Cowboys old school blue that I prefer. They're starting to use more of it. I, I just wish they would use it in their actual uniforms. But I don't get to make the decisions. The guy no. with all the money does. Well, he makes a lot of decisions. He shouldn't be making, <laughs> but that's a different conversation. Yes. All right. So you got Mason and Mickens. I've got Heastand and McCullough. Four of the ten are off the board. Yep. Where are you going next with your third pick, Vince? Well. This is where it gets dicey. The first four were easy for me. And mm -hmm. after that, I was like, okay, what order do I put these guys in? Because somebody that has already been mentioned in the chat, I have it nine. So it's like, and I, I have my reasoning behind it. But, you know, it, this is, like I said, this is where it gets dicey. And this is going to be my first controversial pick. 
I think, with my third pick in the draft. Okay. And But I can defend it, and I will defend it to my dying day. With my third pick in the 2023 assistant coach draft, I am drafting Thomas Reese, Ooh. offensive coordinator slash hey. quarterbacks coach at the University of Notre Dame. I'm I'm curious to see what what the chat thinks about that. Well, I, I know it's going to be controversial, <laughs> and I get it, but I'm drafting the Tom Reese that I saw in the Fiesta Bowl, that I saw in the Gator Bowl, that I've seen adapt to his personnel throughout the season. I, I know Tommy's not going to like it. <laughs> I get it. But at the same time, I think he is growing as an offensive coordinator. I His game plan in the Gator Bowl, I thought was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. And he is the guy. And you also have to look at it this way. He has a ton on his plate, right? I mean, he's the game plan. Like, mm-hmm. he comes up with the game plan. He calls the plays. You got to take that into account versus, like, for example, a tight ends coach or somebody that just has a couple guys to coach. I, I've got to give... Tommy Reese is credit. I want him on my staff. I want him on my group. They average just under 32 points a game this season with the backup quarterback starting 10 games. Yeah. They're, now, remember the five key statistical categories that I mentioned at the start of, uh, of this whole exercise about the five key predictors statistical predictors of whether or not you're you know you are shaping up to be you know a playoff slash national championship type team pass efficiency offense and rush offense were the two big offensive indicators they were number 32 in pass efficiency offense this year georgia was number six tcu was number 15 and again that's with the quarterback who ended up completing uh, 55% of his passes for the season, and they were still number 32 in that metric. Rush offense, Notre Dame was number 35, and, uh, you know, 189 yards per game. TCU was number 31, so they weren't that far behind TCU. Georgia was number 19, you know, not considerably a whole lot behind you know, Georgia even. So again, with the running backs that they've got and with the offensive line, I just think that, you know. And see, here's the thing. They were, everybody in the country and everybody in every stadium that they ever went to knew they wanted to run the ball. Right. And that they really couldn't do a whole lot of other things because of what they had working with at the quarterback position. Right. You, You give Tom Reese a quarterback that can spread the ball around. Now defenses are gonna have to pick their poise. I think every one of those numbers goes up. Because now he's going to have a quarterback that you have to respect his arm. Those numbers go up, man. I'm telling you. I think they've got a chance to be, you know, top 10 to 15 in both of those yeah. next year. Absolutely. You add the quarterback the that they're adding to go along with the offensive line, to go along with the running backs. The, re- the receivers are going to be the key piece to this. What they can get out of what's going to be a really young wide receiver group, you know, with the exception of yeah. obviously bringing in the grand transfer, but you're going to have a really young group and a lot of it's going to be on Chancey Stuckey at that point. At, oh, 100%. Uh, th- the spotlight is on Chancey Stuckey, if I'm being honest, because we know what Sam Hartman brings to the table. Even if you take all of his numbers and all, you just median, right? Right down the middle. 
some receivers are going to have to step up and be valuable parts of this offense, right? And I and I'm not saying that they can't be that, that they don't have the potential to be that, right? But, but there's going to be a spotlight on Chancey Stuckey, who, by the way, is only going into his third year as a full time wide receivers coach, right? And he did a fantastic job this year. I I think I think he did a great job this year. He's on my list, obviously, but it's even more so because it was the great unknown last year. Now we know what is he going to be able to bring to the table? See, here's, you know, the troll sniper. Uh, They're both sides to this argument. He says, I feel like Marcus forced Tommy's hand on running the ball this season. Can't credit him for that much, especially since he stand and McCullough also deserve credit for our rushing. That's true, but it's also up to the offensive coordinator to call plays and, you know, the way they're, you know, the timing of the plays and the design of the plays, what plays you're going to call when and what personnel packages and all that. And the other side of it is, especially early on when you heard Marcus Freeman talking about kind of how he, I said this a few times throughout the course of the season, they were, they were more conservative this year than I thought they were going to be. Then maybe a lot of people thought they were going to be after losing Brian Kelly. I think, you know, we all kind of made the assumption after seeing that game plan in the Fiesta Bowl that it was, oh, sure. it's Brian Kelly that's holding things back. But defensive coaches tend to have a more conservative offensive approach. Like they have Absolutely. to protect the defense. And yep. It, yep. it felt like, especially early on, like that was maybe the guidance, you know, the the hand, the nudge, whatever you want to call it, that Marcus Freeman had on the offense. Like, you know, okay, Tommy, it's still your offense to call but here's kind of my my, my vision of this whole thing. Well, and I feel like Marcus Freeman was also very candid, you know, as the season was progressing. He he slowly took his hands off the steering wheel a little bit offensively. Uh, and, I, and I think that he allowed Tommy Reese to be a little bit more himself as the season progressed, because I agree with you. The game plan for Ohio State and the game plan for Marshall was very clearly what Marcus Freeman wanted them to do. Right. I have no doubt in my mind that that's the case. Right. And I just feel like he let loose of the reins a little bit as the season progressed all the way to the end of the season where it was completely unrecognizable. If you watch the offense in the last game of the bowl game to the Ohio state game. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it was a completely different philosophy, you know? And and I just feel like that was more Tommy Reese than the beginning of the season. So yeah, I I completely agree with you. I, I think, I think Marcus Freeman was very much, he's a defensive minded coach. Hey, offense, don't screw it up. Run the yeah. ball, you know, be conservative, do your thing, and we'll, you know, keep the points down and we'll be right in every game. And it almost worked against Ohio State, to be honest with you. They had a little right. bit more punch to the offense. They they win that game, frankly, right? But I don't think that that's a sustainable game plan for the whole season. And I think right. they proved that. Yep, I concur. I concur. All right. All right. You're up, dude. So now I've got a decision to make, and it's getting a little bit tougher here with uh, five coaches, half the staff off the board at this point. And I've been going back and forth, and I think, again, because recruiting is part of this, you know, it's 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 not just on the field stuff, but in part for that reason, with my third pick, in the 2022 assistant coach or the 2023 assistant coach draft. I'm going to go with Chancey Stuckey, the wide receivers coach. 
That's who I had next. This is my next. It's on my board. Like, how many times do you say that during a fantasy? Game? I know, right? Oh, I'm just gonna know who happens. That's my guy. <laughs> That's right. So you know, again, like when you look at at the guys he's got coming in, you know, just like start with that and kind of work backwards. He's already gone out and was was able to get a, a key. You know, what's a position that they really needed a transfer wide receiver? And they went out as soon as the offseason was over and they got Caleb Smith from Virginia Tech, a guy who averaged 18.2 yards per catch last year. And now you pair him up with Sam Hartman, a veteran quarterback. I think that that's going to be a really good combination. But then the freshman that he's got coming in, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, you know, the the biggest question (laughs) Biggest question everyone's going to want to know right away is how soon are they going to be on the field? How soon are they going to produce? You know, because sure. you still have kind of a mixed bag. But Tobias Merriweather was at least trending in the right direction at the end of the season before the concussion stuff. Still ended up with just the one catch for 41 yards. But we saw really good strides from Jaden Thomas this year. We saw really good strides the second half of the season after Colsey was. Uh, was healthy, especially like as a third down possession type guy. We saw him making plays, you know, more than we've seen from either one of those guys last year. That's for sure. And then, you know, Lorenzo Styles, very inconsistent, but, you know, it's like, I I think maybe, you know, again, like you, uh, you might have to go to the mental coach, you know, to, to figure some of that out just with his, the drops and stuff like his that. Name Still is a Mike great Mickens. talent. Yeah. He's the mental coach, Mike Mickens. He's the guy. He's all you need. All right. Just have him talk right. to Mike. Yeah. So, so Chancey Stuckey is is the uh, the third guy on my board. So I have adjusted. Uh, well, let me let me talk about Chancey Stuckey here for a second. We and we okay. kind of touched on him a little bit earlier. And like I said, I I think this year is going to be a real defining year for Chancey Stuckey because last year again, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of expectations because the depth chart wasn't very long. He didn't have a lot of experience. We were all kind of surprised when he got the job or when he was named, you know, as one of the finalists, you know, that kind of a thing. And so we, we kind of warmed to it. And I think he did a good job. I, I like what I saw from him, you know, at the practices that we were allowed to go to. And I, and I thought he didn't get out of the gate very well at the beginning of the season. I We saw a lot of the, of the but it's, it's tough to break a lot of those habits. Yeah. You know, you, you can drill a kid and drill a kid and drill a kid. And I mean by running drills in a, in a practice, not like drilling a kid. Right. Like you, you can drill these kids all you want, but when the lights come on and you're in a game situation, sometimes you fall back to your old ways. And I, I'm not saying that that's all the kids' fault. I'm not saying that it's all Chancey Stuckey's fault. <clears throat> but that's a that's a long road that he had to, to traverse with these kids. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And – I think we started to see it. I think we started to see his impact on this position group this year. Now, this year is going to be a whole other ball game because he has taken care of that foundational stuff. And now, <laughs> thanks, Tommy. And now <laughs> he has an opportunity to get an influx of a lot of young talent. He's got a he's got an opportunity to take some of these guys that were on the roster this year who we would still consider young. I mean, Thomas, Colsey, you know, uh, uh, Merriweather, you know, those guys are all still young. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. And so can he take those guys to the next step? Can he help Lorenzo Styles, as Tyler said, can he help Lorenzo Styles 
get out of the funk that he's in this year because yeah. that kid has a ton of talent, yep. you know? And if they, if, if he can't get him out of that funk, that's going to be a problem for Notre Dame and the, and the, uh, the wide receiving core. So bit of a spotlight on Chancey Stuckey moving forward, but he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done thus far on the staff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, just want to give you credit for that pick because that's the one I would have gone with next. All right. All right. Where are you going now? <laughs> of course, we've already chewed up 45 minutes of this but anyway <laughs> i shook up kind of the middle of my board i dropped my original person that i had in my seventh position Ooh, all the way down to nine already okay all the way down to nine and then i bumped the other two above so okay um somebody that got a benefit here uh the bump above is chris o'leary and i think chris o'leary is an underrated underappreciated guy on this staff you and i had the opportunity what was it last year uh, during fall camp? They had practice in the stadium and where they had us sitting. We were literally sitting about 10 feet away from Chancey Stuckey and his position group. Cause that's where they were kind of doing their thing. And, you know, we could kind of, he was a brand new coach at the time. We were, we were listening and we were hearing him coach and man, I, I was really impressed with the way he was coaching those guys up and he was coaching guys like uh, Hamilton, the same as he was coaching, you know, the guys that are third or fourth on the depth chart. Right. And, and I, I, I think that's fantastic, especially for a young guy who's coming in. Yeah. I believe he was a, uh, you know, graduate assistant. You know, he was kind of on the staff. He kind of knew these guys, but still when you're a young guy, it is very easy to gravitate towards the talent and to coach the talent. He coaches the entire depth chart. And that was clearly evident this year as well. I mean, he took a guy who, was recruited as a wide receiver, turned him into a safety. Was mm -hmm. it the smoothest of transitions all the time with Xavier Watts? No, but I think he's our most reliable safety going into next year. He's he's the only guy I have circled as an automatic start next year at the safety position. That's true. You gotta, live, you gotta give a lot of credit to, to Chris O'Leary for that, you know, and, and I think he's done a good job. The best he can do with DJ Brown, I thought he's brought Ramon Henderson along very well. I think the issues that Brandon Joseph had were not coaching issues. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I think it was more business decision issues there towards the uh, yes. the latter stages. There's nothing a coach can do about that, right? Um, now the 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 ding, I guess you could say, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, is they did lose out on Peyton Bowen, but I do like the guy. I got, I like Don Schuler. Of course, I like Hillman. I think he's probably going to end up at safety. So he's going to still have an opportunity to make a name for himself as far as coaching up younger guys. I think he did a really good job this year. So Chris O'Leary is my fourth pick. Yeah, I do too, especially when you consider there was no Kyle Hamilton and Brandon Joseph was supposed mm -hmm. to be, right. you know, at least in that ballpark and it never really lived up to the billing. So I think what he did, you, you mentioned the Xavier Watts and in, in that, that transition and you're absolutely right. Like the way he played, late in the season he's going to be a starter back there there are still some questions but some of that comes on him now just in terms of the you know you're right they lost that on Peyton Bowen but again I don't put that I don't I don't yeah I don't put you're the loss right. of Bowen on anyone on this coaching staff it's that's fair you're gonna dangle enough cash someone's gonna <laughs> jump I know right you know that's that's really what it comes down to and and the fact that they were able to navigate things without Brandon Joseph for what about the last third or so of the season? Mm -hmm. I think that that speaks to what he was able to do 
developmentally with some yeah. of those other guys as well. It's like you got to go out and win some recruiting battles now here. For sure. Years. And and what he was able to do the last third of the season when they didn't have Kyle Hamilton last year with the safety position, right? I mean, maybe he has half the season without Kyle Hamilton, right? I mean, that was that was a, that's a tough sledding job for a first-year position coach. You just lost your stud, your your security blanket, and now you're expected to put, you know, two to three safeties on the field that know what the hell they're doing. So right. that's not always the easiest thing to do. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. So you've got Chris O'Leary, and I'm just going to go right back to the offensive side of the board. And you got all offensive go- coaches, Styers. I do. <laughs> I've got a whole offensive staff. Now, all that's <laughs> left is two defensive coaches after this. Yeah, you know, so I'll, I'll end up with somebody. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But yeah, so I, I've got Jared Parker to go along with Harry Heastan, Dela McCullough, and Chancey Stuckey. I've got all offensive guys. I've got all the <laughs> offensive guys with the exception of Tommy Reese. But, you know, I mean, you know, like on the one hand, how much coaching did it take to, to, yeah. to maximize Michael yeah. Mayer? But at the same time, like Eli Raritan was not supposed to be a great blocking tight end coming out of high school. And you can argue that he was their best blocker when he was healthy sure. out there early on before he got hurt. And then Holden stays made some contributions and Mitchell Evans, when he came back and was healthy, we started to see good, you know, again, like the Gator bowl kind of highlighted it, but you know, so I think that there's still a little bit, maybe incomplete, with Jared Parker, right? You know, again, like I, I want to see, I do want to see these guys continue to develop as blockers because I think that that overall as a group, that is still sure. maybe the biggest knock on on this group because tight ends are more about are, are about more than pass catching. They've they've got to be good run blockers as well. And we've got to see continued improvement in that department for me. No doubt. That I he was next on my list as well. I think that's a good pick. And I and I do think that you know, you could make the argument that, yeah, you had the best tight end in the country. Good job coaching. But we just made an argument for Chris O'Leary, who had the best safety in the country last year, and we gave him a lot of credit, right? So yep. I think it's the credit, you know, it's what he does with the depth chart and what he did. I mean, there's a lot of talent there at tight end. And I think he did a really good job with that talent. I mean, and and he had to deal with some injuries as well, you know, and and he was able to fight through that from a coaching standpoint and have the next guy up ready to go. 
Uh, and there was really no drop. Yes, there was a drop off for Michael Mayer. Yes, there was. There's always going to be a drop off, right? But there was no like, oh my, like South Carolina. They had one tight end on their depth chart for the mm-hmm. for the Gator Bowl, right? Notre Dame wasn't in that position. It's like, oh, uh, this guy's hurt. We're going to go to this guy. Oh, this guy's hurt. We're going to go to this guy. Like they could have had three tight ends on the depth chart without any problem, no matter what time of the year it was, right? Right. And that's a testament to recruiting. It's also a testament to, uh, you know, Coach Parker having those guys ready to go. So I give him a lot of credit. He was next on my list too, uh, no doubt. So as it is now, we've each got four, and that mm-hmm. leaves us with two guys left. We've got the defensive coordinator, Al Golden, and we've got the defensive line coach, Al Washington. So it is your pick, Vince. Who are you going with? So it is a lesser of two evils here to a degree. And I'm going to go with the other coordinator and I'm going to go with Al Golden. Uh, you know, I've got both coordinators, so I feel pretty good about that. But, you know, and Al Golden, he has some work to do going into next year. You know, mm-hmm. you, you are the defensive coordinator. There were times where you know I didn't necessarily agree with the way the defensive game plan was put together. You know, first half of the season, I wasn't all that enthusiastic about some of the game plan um, change-ups at halftime, you know, the the adjustments, things like that. I think he got better as the year went on. I thought he made adjustments in the Gator Bowl before halftime, like end of the first quarter, and was able to basically shut down South Carolina's offense pretty much from that point forward after the first quarter. But they also weren't overly prepared for that game either from a defensive standpoint. So, I mean, mm-hmm. both things – have to be taken into account. And then, of course, he is the linebacker's coach. And I think we can all agree that of all the position groups, they were probably the most disappointing as a group for a myriad of reasons. Was it because they didn't play the younger guys? Were the older guys not prepared enough? Were they just not athletic enough? Then why aren't you getting those other guys some time? Like We could go down the rabbit hole on this, but Al Golden needs to do a better job moving forward, period if he wants to remain at Notre Dame. I am not advocating for him to be fired, but I am advocating for him to do a better job moving forward. So no, I agree. That's why and he ends up where he is. Hopefully he worked some things out, you know, like he found right. some things out about himself and and uh, with an offseason with a defensive-minded head coach, maybe he and Marcus Freeman can collaborate a little bit more on philosophy and, you know, just just some different things. There were some different definite whiffs that he had, like the yeah. zero blitz against Ohio State being the the one that everyone talks about the most. But the next week as well, whiffing on third and nine against Marshall late yeah. in the game that that leads to the touchdown. What was it? Ninety four yard touchdown drive, and mm. you know that's a, a, a ninety four. Now, one thing that there wasn't as much of, like the first part of last. Last season, Marcus Freeman's season as defensive coordinator, we saw many more explosive plays by opposing offenses. We didn't see as many of those. We just saw troubling trends, kind of, you know, that some of which you just outlined. The two biggest things to me are you've got to get better on third down, you've got to get better in the red zone. Those are the you get you, there were so many opportunities to get off the field, they were not able yeah. to get off the field. You know, the whole the whole kiss, keep it simple, stupid. You know, that's <laughs> Really, I think what it comes down to in a lot of ways. Now, all that said, like those key stats I was talking about earlier, rush defense, Notre Dame was number 37. Like Georgia was number one this year. 
TCU was 79. You know, so firmly right in the middle of those two teams who played for the national championship with rush defense. Now, it's the worst rush defense I think they've had in the last five years. But at the same time, 37 is not horrible. There's there's room for improvement. Sure. You, you get better with the defensive line. You get better, more consistent at least, with the linebackers. I think that's the big thing. Like the the the, the run fits for some of these linebackers at times were just puzzling this year. But they've got to get better there. But again, number 37, respectable enough. I think like Alabama and LSU both won national championships ranking in the 30s before if you if if the offense improves the way you think it are and you're still or you think it can and, and the run defense is still around 30 35 i think you're going to be okay total defense they were actually number 22 in total defense this year again this is one of those those five key stats i was talking about 329 yards a game because it, it's like well, i mean we saw it we saw it against South Carolina, you know, all the early touchdown drives, and then all of a sudden it's three and out, punt, you know, all these punts, you know, and it's like feast or famine yeah. sometimes. Sure. But, again, more consistent. And then turnover margin, they were number 85 in the nation this year. There's no doubt, you know, like they didn't force enough turnovers yeah. Especially early. early. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, they, if they forced, you know, around what they – forced late in the season they would have ended up being okay but they were just it, it took them forever to get any turnovers and that's that's got to get better they got to figure out a way to uh to cause some more havoc on the ball next year abs i could not agree more i mean it, it was you, you saw you saw some greatness i mean if you watch the clemson game and you watch the defensive game plan against clemson i mean they were rallying to the football they kept trying to go you know, to the sideline and get wide. And they were just all over that stuff, right? And it was awesome. It was su such a great defensive performance. And then you saw, like, Marshall. And it's like, the heck, man? <laughs> like, know. You know, and, and, and then you saw, you know, against USC, who does not have a vaunted offensive line, and they were just able to run the ball whenever they wanted. And that, yep. so, that so that's disturbing. You can't, you can't just be, you can't be like that. You know, you've got to figure out, what your identity is, you've got to stick to it, and you've got to be good at it. So we, we've seen flashes, but it's not consistent enough in any way. Yeah. Okay, so you've got Al Golden. Your staff is complete. Brian Mason, Mike Mickens, Tommy Reese, Chris O'Leary, and Al Golden. Um, my staff is Harry Heestand, Dylan McCullough, Chancey Stuckey, Jared Parker, and my final pick goes to the defensive line coach, Al Washington, he becomes Mr. Irrelevant for the purposes of this draft. <laughs> he and Brock Purdy. So uh, that's great. <laughs> yes. So I mean, what's which is which is the bigger thing that that you think Al Washington has to do better right now? Is it the developmental side, you know, the actual on-field developmental side, or is it the recruiting side of things? Well, for me in I mean, I mean, it's the answer is obviously both. But what's more important is I think the developmental side right now, because you've got a lot of guys that we just don't know if they're going to be able to step in and fill the roles mm -hmm. that they need to fill. And I mean, look, if we're being honest, you've got to blame the last defensive line coach. If these guys don't aren't the guys who you think they are, there's part of it is development, but part of it, you've got to look back at recruiting, right? 
you know, the defensive line recruiting hasn't been amazing over the last five years. It's been, it's been okay, right? It's been good. But like the Adam Alola brothers, they didn't commit to Mike Elston. They committed to Keith Gilmore. I mean, that's just a fact. So, you know, you can't put it all on Al Washington, but, but with capital B-U-T, this year is going to be very telling for Al Washington because he's got guys with the, with high ceilings on that defensive line. And if they don't start to peak, if they don't start to get there, if they don't, if they're not able to fill the roles that they need to fill moving forward, that's. I mean, how is that not on him? And then you throw in the recruiting part and then you're looking at, well, maybe we need to look at making a change. And so in the me- in the intermediate or like in the immediate, it's development. You have to develop these guys. I think there's talent there. I really do. Yeah. But they've got to be developed. I think it was important to get Jean-Baptiste from Ohio oh, State to absolutely. bring in a guy with some experience. And I know, you know, like as we've talked about guys like Hartman and, and Jean-Baptiste, you know, there were some people who kind of turned their nose up. At, well, if they were so good, why aren't they in the NFL? Well, look, Notre Dame still predominantly has to go the grad transfer route. And if you're in the grad transfer market, that means you're in your fifth year. And if you're in your fifth year, that by definition means you weren't quite good enough, you know, to be in the NFL or else you would be bolting for the sure. NFL. So, you you know, you, you take some chances with some of those guys. And in all the cases, you know the the three most significant ones: the receiver, and maybe four really: the receiver, the safety, the quarterback, and the defensive end. I think all things considered, they they made out pretty well, especially with the quarterback. Like everyone across the country is raving about, you know, the quarterback and and the things that he can do. We're talking about Al Washington though, right now, and I agree with everything you said it's got to start with the development because of what he's got on the roster right now, but he's also got to go out and hit at a high rate in the recruiting to, to make up for the fact that at least for right now, the development is lacking. Right. You know, to, to help compensate for some of that. I don't know. I don't know where else to go. No, I, I, Look, he's going to have a spotlight on himself too. I mean, he has yeah. to do a better job. The the, the 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 defensive line was they were good, but they weren't the dominating defensive line that we thought that they were going to be going into the season. That's no. what I'll say. No. You know, they they just weren't. And look, you can talk about the linebackers and there's plenty to pick apart with the linebackers, but the guys in front just just like running backs, you know, on on the other side, running backs to the offensive line, linebackers to the defensive line, the, the guys in front of the linebackers are supposed to help make their jobs easier. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that was necessarily the case. You had issues at both levels. We all know that's got to get better, but it starts with a point of attack. You know, I think Marcus Freeman has talked about many times they want to be an offensive, defensive line driven team. Well, if right. you want to be a defensive line driven team, <laughs> you got to start getting it done. There's just no way around it. Yeah, yep, and, I agree. You know, like we talked about the loyalty that that BK had to guys that that went too long. You know, it's like how long is some of that loyalty going to last? Because they've got the ties together. You know, with with Ohio State and all that stuff. Yep, so, agreed. Yeah. 
All right. Are you happy with your with with the staff that you drafted? I'm actually incredibly happy with the staff that I drafted. Um, and we can we can throw it to the to the chat if you want to. But so my team is Brian Mason, Mike Mickens, Tommy Reese, Chris O'Leary, Al Golden. And mine is Harry Heastan, Dylan McCullough, Chancey Stuckey, Jared Parker, Al Washington. So I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I'm just saying. I, I feel pretty good about mine too. Yeah. I, but I felt I felt good about my actual fantasy team, you know, after I drafted them back in <laughs> August. How'd that go for you? It ended up being like you know, fifth or sixth in the league or uh, something like that. So I don't know. I got I got uh, one vote from Salty. Gavin gives Vince a vote. Gavin says Vince by one. So we're I'll even right now. They got Washington's bringing you down, but you didn't really have a choice there. So that's right. <laughs> I'm curious if I had had the first pick, like how it would have shaken. Yeah, out. well, it would have shaken out differently. That's for sure. I think so. It would. Vince, again, Vince went with Brian Mason first. I went with Eastan first. So. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.